Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cycling Nutrition Training Podcast. Do you consider yourself a fanatic cyclist? And are you interested to improve your cycling performance by improving your nutrition habits? Well, you came to the right place. In this podcast, we will discuss all the nutrition-related aspects of cycling to make you a better cyclist. This podcast is provided to you by Eat My Ride, the app for cyclists that want to perform better by improving their nutrition intake. Eat My Ride brings the nutrition habits of the cycling pros to the amateurs. Now let's move on to Kate, our host of today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode. Today, we're going to elaborate on the first topic of cycling nutrition for those who are new to this, how to make sure you stay energized during cycling rides. First of all, let me introduce to you our guest of today, Joram, one of the founders of Eat My Ride, who is also a cyclist keen on nutrition intake. So Joram, let's start discussing nutrition. I hope it won't make you feel extra hungry. Can you first of all introduce me to what staying energized means? When you go out for a bike ride, you want to stay energized so you feel good and you can reach high heart rates or power zones, right? Well, this is made possible by a substance in your body called glycogen. Glycogen is a sugar which is to your body what gasoline is for a car. The difference between the two is that gasoline has a fixed burn rate depending on the speed of the car. That works different for the human because if you improve your condition, your body becomes more efficient with glycogen. So the more you train, the longer you can do an exercise with the same amount of glycogen. So when we talk about staying energized, we mostly talk about nutrition strategies that make sure your glycogen stays high till the end of your ride. Okay, Joram, I understand I need to make sure I always keep some sugar reserves, but is this just a matter of eating enough nutrition? Let's get back to the example of the gasoline car. When you run out of energy, you stop and you refill and you can instantly drive again. That's different for humans because refilling your energy takes time and it's more like an electric car. So when you are riding your bike, think of it as an electric battery. The earlier you start refilling it, the longer you can last. So you compare the nutrition intake of humans to cars, but you also add the intake works much slower for humans compared to gasoline cars. Can you add some numbers to put this in perspective? If we add numbers to it, we talk about 300 grams of sugar storage in your glycogen, a maximum of 150 gram usage per hour, and a limited intake rate of only 60 grams per hour for an amateur. This intake is based on intensity levels nearing your threshold. Professional riders usually consume up to 90 grams per hour. This sounds like you should not start eating too late, right? Especially if there is a delay between consuming nutrition and making use of the energy you get. I think that's correct and perhaps I can give you an example. So let's say that the average person could store 300 grams of sugar. And I think if you go for intense cycling, you burn 150 grams per hour. The problem is you can usually only eat 60 grams per hour. So without eating, in two hours your energy is gone, right? You have no sugars left. And if you then start eating, the 60 gram is still not enough. And then on top of that, even if you do eat, there is a delay. So with two hours of no eating, you will be out of energy, like for many uh, minutes. Even if you would eat, say, 60 gram for an average person, you cannot live up to that, right? You cannot compensate. So the clue here is to start eating in time so that you yeah, de basically delay this depletion. Because once you hit the depletion, there's no way back. 
How does that delay work? Yeah, the delay works as follows. So in essence, there are two kinds of sugars. You have the glucose and the fructose. And well, it's a bit technical, but the glucose is uh, oxidated with one gram per minute and fructose uh, is oxidated with about half that speed. So um, if you take a banana, for example, that contains 20 grams of fructose, then yeah, it takes 40 minutes for the banana to be absorbed. And how much energy do you have then? Banana contains around 80 to 100 calories. Hey, that's very little. When I go out sporting, I usually burn between 500 to 1,000 calories in an hour. So then I would need five or 10 bananas? Wait, wait, we need to split a few things here. So first of all, you're saying you burn 1,000 calories, but this is not all sugars. Depending on your heart rate, it might be 70% of it sugar, 50% sugar, or even 20% sugar if you go really slowly. And the rest you get from your body fats. Well, but I don't go slowly. So let's say I need 70% sugars. Would it help me if I see on my watch how much sugars I have burned? So that I know now it's time to start eating something. Sorry, Kate, it's not personal. Let's say you would indeed burn the 700 calories of sugar. But consider this. The first period of your exercise, or say roughly one and a half hours, you burn your full sugar storage, right? So let's say you emptied it, and then you take a banana. In this case, you would be too late, because this banana still needs 40 minutes, and one banana only helps you a bit. So in this case, the alternative would be to eat a suitable sport nutrition product, like a gel or a bar instead, that provides you both the glucose and the fructose, so it delivers up to 90 grams per hour. Okay, now it's getting a bit more complex, but I see the point here. And I wonder something else. Is the energy burn so far telling me about the energy still to burn? How reliable is that? That is a good question. This is related to your heart rate. So if you train at stable heart rate or powers, it works fine. However, if you change it all the time, it's not reliable at all. And that is actually what happens a lot with cycling. And it's for several hours. So you can imagine it has a huge impact. Hmm, this is starting to become a bit of a hassle. I want to go out and have some fun. I don't want to overplan everything. Well, maybe this is a good moment for our commercial break then. Sure, let's do that. Do you want to stay energized during your longer bike rides without the need for difficult nutrition planning? Download Eat My Ride nutrition planning app. This app uses your personal sports history data to accurately predict your nutrition needs for your future rides. You just add your preferred nutrition products and the app will plan them at exactly the right timing so your body never gets out of energy. This nutrition planning is sent to your fitness device like Garmin so you get notifications on the screen and don't need to remember you should eat. You can download Eat My Ride in iOS, Google Play and Garmin IQ app stores. Okay, that sounds awesome. But this is not a commercial podcast, right? No, so let's just get back to the principles instead. We were talking about the importance of keeping your sugar storage filled. And you mentioned there are two kinds of sugars. That made me think, can you combine the glucose and fructose sugars? Yes, you can. And this is also what you see a lot with sport nutrition gels and also some of the bars. However, we are talking about optimal numbers. So in reality, they can be a bit lower. And the reason for that, for instance, if, if the product also contains a lot of proteins or fats, those number can be a bit lower. But still, if I have 300 grams and I burn 150 grams per hour, even with eating, I hit the wall in about three hours, right? But that's not what you see happening. I would say there are a few nuances here. So the first is, if you do a really long sports activity, say perhaps four or five hours, or maybe even eight or ten hours, 
you usually don't perform at your peak all the time, right? This is a balance with high intensity and moderate intensity. So at moderate intensity, your sugar burn is about half of it as with full intensity. So that is a first nuance. And the second is, if you look at the professional riders that can really do high performance for many hours, they train their nutrition a lot. They usually reach an optimal peak of 90 grams intake per hour. But this usually comes at a considerable training effort, so it's also a matter of how much effort do you want to give it. There is something else which is also important, I think. It's the taste. Exercise is also mental, in my opinion, and you do it for fun. So it sounds a bit odd to see nutrition as purely functional. Does it have to be that way? That's an interesting point, and I think it has two sides. On the one hand, we're talking about sugars, so if you don't like sweet taste, that's hard to avoid, right? But the other side is, there are some tactics to make it more pleasant for you. For instance, you can take a less sweet taste while you still have enough sugars. That's the first. And what you see happening is that athletes experiment with it. Because, yeah, what some people like is not what other people like, right? So experimenting really helps. And you should not do this in an important race, right? Because that's where you want to perform. So your training is really a good point to start doing this. And then the second is... If you have those issues, so for instance, if you have some stomach issues after three hours of a lot of sugars, you can opt to, you know, put less sweet things in between, like savory foods. And the key here is if you start eating sweet enough from the start, eh, so you consume your sugars, then, you know, you have some reserves, right? So in between, you can take a sandwich or any other kinds of product. And, you know, that will help you because you still then are able to eat. And if you don't do that and only take the sweet products, well, yeah, you get into some issues you can also avoid. Well, thank you, Joram. We have come to the end of this first episode of the Nutrition Training Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you hear from us again soon. 